0: Hello and welcome to Teaching Python. My name is Sean Tiber. I'm a coder who teaches.
1: And my name is Kelly Schuster-Paredes, and I'm a teacher who codes.
0: Our topic this week is innovation in an innovative field. It's recorded on February 27th, 2019. So innovation, one of my favorite things to talk about.
1: I think it's a lot of our favorite things to talk about, especially here at our school.
0: No, definitely at our school. And I think a lot in this field of computer science, right? Being a relatively young discipline compared to many of the other fields of education, innovation is pretty much what we do on a daily basis. So I'm excited to talk about it. I'm looking forward to our conversation. We've got a lot of good resources for you this week and a lot of good things we've been discussing on our own before we get started with the, the conversation. We've done a lot to prepare for this. I think we're both leaning in and, and hungry to talk about it. But before we start, uh, we'll start it the way we always do with the wins of the week. So Kelly, what was a win for you this week?
1: I have to talk about my very proud moment this week about learning uh, more about data, data science and matplotlib. I dug in and I, I finally I guess it was bit the bullet, and uh, started graphing and working with the seventh graders following along with Scent Dex and his videos that he just um, updated. And we were going through the matplotlib uh, library that he has, and we are just having so much fun changing markers, making points, looking at real-time data, seeing what we can come up with. And it's a lot of fun working with Colab and Jupyter Notebooks.
0: Yeah, it's funny, wasn't it just a few weeks that you were ago that you were telling me that you needed to find a project to learn how learn some more coding or to, to resume your, your forward progress on learning Python. And we were talking with Bob and Julian from PyBytes a few weeks ago and, and they said don't try to learn Python, try to find a project that you need or a problem that you need to solve and solve it using Python. And I have to tell you, you know, for those of you listening at home, Kelly has gone full bore on, on Matplotlib and graphing and plotting this week. And she's been coming into me pretty much every day saying, did you know that we have all these different markers that we can use in Matplotlib? Like there's so many different markers that we can use. And I said, no, but why don't you show me sometime?
1: And the color palette, so pretty. <laughs> I just think that graph and the school system and integrating with the the other areas. And you showed that to me. You showed that to me with the genetics and then the dragsters. And I I just, I never knew how great it was. So now we're looking at trying to introduce it into American government, American government, see if we can get some more data out there. So we've hit science now we're going to after the government, people. Right. Better watch out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and what was your win of the week?
0: My win of the week was actually not my win. It was our robotics team win on Saturday. This past Saturday, our teams competed in the regional tournament for the first Lego League. Kelly and I are both coaches for those teams. Our eighth grade team, which has been charging hard all year long and you know struggling through it along the way persevered and received a bid to the state tournament and won the core values award for teamwork at the, at the regional tournament. So we are going to be with them representing our school Pinecrest school on April 6th at the statewide tournament in Delray beach, Florida. So we're pretty excited about that. And we've been working hard this week on our plans for not just showing up to the state meet, but doing very well at it.
1: Yeah, and I love that about them. The skill of communicating. You know, you can do computer science, you can have robotics, but if you cannot communicate your ideas, and if you cannot communicate as a team, then there's there's no winning with, involved. And I think their project's really interesting too, and we get to use Python again. Yeah. It's so exciting.
0: This is one of those areas where I'm excited to work with middle school students, and because you see so much progress in such a short amount of time, if you told us that this team would win the Teamwork Award three or four months later, um, when we first started this back in August and September, I would have told you that you're completely full of it, because their teamwork wasn't very good, but they persevered, they stuck it out, they battled through some of the hard decisions that they had to make and figured out how to work with one another in an effective way and how to demonstrate that teamwork to others. I'm really proud of them and the progress that they've made over the last four
1: months. Absolutely. And what's so great about both of our wins of the weeks, I think they're both innovative solutions going on and that is our topic today.
0: Right. And I would say in the first win, it's really about kind of that direct innovation. In the second area, it's about how to create A program of innovation how to encourage innovation in your students so let's start with just dissecting innovation because it gets thrown around a lot as a buzzword you hear innovation all the time in so many different places whether it's technology innovation or business or teaching many people want to be innovative and describe themselves as being innovative but what does that really mean
1: well it depends on i guess it depends on your field. I have a friend who just took on a new position in a bank as the innovative design designer of the bank, and I think just depending on who's interpreting for that case you have to if, if it's innovative ways of serving a customer, if it's innovative ways of making a solution, if it's in a way innovative ways of how you work with people in your in your business. Regardless of that, I think it's just taking taking something, taking a product and creating a value.
0: The direct definition that we want to use here is it's the process of taking an idea or invention and making it into a product or service that creates value for someone. So When we look at it through the lens of that definition, there's a lot of conversation that that opens up. We break it down into products and services. It's not just a tangible good or not a widget that you're creating. It can also be a service or a customer experience. It can be an invention or it can just be an idea. But what I like most about this definition and what sticks to me kind of as a computer science guy and a data-driven guy is that it's a process. That it's not magic. It's not some sort of thing that you can just take a a little wand and go, ding, and suddenly you have innovation. There's a process, and like any process, there are different ways to do it. There's different ways to create that process, and there's also different ways to encourage it and develop it over time.
1: Definitely in innovation and, and education, it does get more specific because depending on whether it's the school being innovative, the teachers being innovative, or the students being innovative in their solutions, there's always that specific mindset that, that comes or is involved with being innovative in education.
0: For me, it really comes down to the, the final output, what we are trying to produce as our, our product from our education are, are students who are innovative, who have the skills and knowledge and competency required to be innovative leaders in the in the future?
1: Yeah, and there, there's tons of skills, and I think we we've, we've talked about a lot of the skills, some of these soft skills that we teach in our classroom, and a lot of these soft skills, as perseverance, metacognition. All these little soft skills that we talked about in our previous podcast are all the ways that we help to encourage innovation in the process. And I think we're going to get into a list of those later on into the podcast.
0: You know, let's start with innovation for teachers, right? What does it mean to be an innovative teacher? How can you ensure that the approach that you're taking is leveraging the best thinking, the best approaches, the best skills, and the best of who you are as a teacher in the classroom?
1: We were just talking about this before we started recording, and and we were talking about what I've done in in the past um, as a teacher, because I've been teaching for a while, and I originally started off as a science teacher. And as a science teacher teaching sixth grade, you have to come up with innovative ways to teach the same thing to the students. It's not new to the students, but it's boring to you if you don't come up with different ways to teach cells or cell reproduction. I think for any any baseline to be an innovation for teacher is just to keep yourself current and learn new ways of doing things and learn new things constantly find out what the connections are between something that may be not necessarily new um, and trying to connect it with something that is new
0: right so what's interesting about this Particular area of of innovation and teaching is that there's been a lot of things written about this. There's been a lot of resources that have been developed. And one thing that I think struck both of us as being a, a particularly good way to describe it, right? Describing these areas and to bring them forward was from A.J. Giuliani, where he gave 10 commandments on how to be innovative in your classroom. So we'll put this in the show notes so you can follow the link also. We think that most of these in computer science class are very achievable these are things that if you're teaching python and if you're trying to be innovative and creative and thoughtful about the best way to help students learn the skills of python and the meta skills of problem solving computational thinking creativity and innovation that these are the these are some really good guidelines for for you to follow as a teacher so the first one is offer choice So give the students a choice in what they want to learn or how they want to learn it so that they feel agency and ownership over what they're learning.
1: Yeah, and the second one that A.J. Giuliani states is allow for failure. And I think we've talked about this a lot in the past as well. You have to have the opportunity for the student to fail or to feel the comfort or the security in failure and just giving them that leeway to let them know that it's okay that not every time it's gonna be correct, that in order to learn more, you have to learn from your failure. That really helps to put them on the right track for innovation.
0: We can't overstate the importance of this. It's not enough to say it's okay to fail and then just move on. You have to take that failure, whether it's your own failure or your student's failure, you have to take that failure and learn from it. You have to be reflective upon what worked what didn't how you're going to change it if it's something that you can salvage or it's something that you just have to throw out that ability to take risks with your teaching and with your students that can result in failure is one half of the equation the other half is learning from that failure and turning it into something successful
1: yeah and and number three is is this mentorship and i think We do a really nice job of showing the kids how you and I mentor each other through processes of learning and code and also how we show them ways that we are not just their mentor in learning. We're not the Siri or the Google of learning. So we don't want them just to come to us and and, and say that we're gonna have the answer. So having them find mentors everywhere, whether it's from a website, a blog, another friend, a student who has taken our course in the past, We want them to know that in order to to have innovative ideas come to fruition you have to have some sort of mentorship, some sort of guidance along the way.
0: Number four on the list is tech with purpose. So it's easy in many ways to just throw tech at a problem. If you have the budget to support it, it's easy to go out and buy a lot of tech toys and bring them into your classroom. If you don't have a lot of budget. You probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Everything needs to have a reason. It needs to have a purpose in your classroom. And I think that that's the lesson that you want to to take from being resource constrained. And so if you don't have a scarcity mindset, you should. Why am I bringing this tech in? Why am I introducing it? What learning objective does this bring? Or what problem does this solve? Or how does this help build a skill or drive knowledge? For our students,
1: and I think we learned that really well with our robotics team, one of the solutions to solve one of the challenges in the robotics competition was to hammer a satellite to fly up, and our kids were like, oh well, they 're hydraulics, and we need this we need this tech, and we need this tech in reality. It was a very simple process of of just creating a little bit of force instead of using. Something that was not necessarily a purposeful technology piece. It was a good learning moment. Number five on our list is build something together.
0: Yeah, I like this one. (laughs) It is the collaborative process. It's the working together or doing something as a group has a different benefit than doing something individually so if you are able to foster that group sense of purpose and building something together there's a shared sense of pride and community that comes from that as well when you can turn it from i did this to we did this it takes everything to a whole new level because the students and the teachers see that there's increased difficulty with that right there's more collaboration and something special comes out of that for us as teachers you know we've spoken a few times about this genetics project that we've done collaborating with the science teachers at our school That's one of the things I'm most pleased with this year in terms of the project because we built it together with the science teachers and it was something that wasn't just a science project and it wasn't just computer science, it was something that we built together and the sum of the parts was greater than, or some of the whole was greater than the parts.
1: And it's something, a skill that you really need to focus in on your learners because there's a difference between delegating tasks, I do one, two, three, and you do four, five, six. And actually working together, that the whole driver seat and conductor aspect of coding, where you have one person behind a computer and the other one's talking you through the problem, really works. So, if you know, I know, if you're limited on budget, that's one of the ways that a lot of people do that. But that guilt gives them this companionship. This opportunity to work together to solve a problem where you're not just delegating or separating the work and making life easier.
0: Uh, number six is from local to global. So how can you take local solutions or local ideas and scale them up to be global? We saw that this week one of our students had created a project that was a stress management mask. So she had coded an Adafruit Circuit Playground Express and attached it to a, a face mask like a cooling gel face mask and then coated the circuit playground to sense body temperature and use that to indicate stress levels to the wearer. We posted this on social media and it really just took off. It started to travel around the world and we could see with our Twitter analytics who was picking it up and who was looking at it and who was reading it and so something that she had made locally and very personally for her mother is now being viewed around the world. So her sense of Fulfillment from that project and her innovation just went through the roof because now she sees that people from all over the world are looking at the idea that she had.
1: Yeah, and I think Google does this great. Imagine that Google doing something great. They do a lot of things great, so I can't can't just pick one. But they do AI Google for social good, and I think this is one of this is one of the aspects that our robotics team took in is they were using their their product their solution for the competition is pet therapy for. Astronauts, and their idea is to build an AI dog to help out astronauts who are in space for longer than a year at a time. That whole using computers for good and taking it from something like a pet therapy idea here in Fort Lauderdale and pushing it out for the whole world to use, then you can now change it and use it for military. You can use it for you know elderly. So this, this idea is taking something that they learned here locally and pushing out globally just right. like just like Google does
0: right number 7 standards are guidelines right you're the architect of this so standards in some places are more stringent and strict than others and part of our job as teachers is to be creative and to figure out how we can deliver on those standards in innovative ways when you are faced with standards when you're faced with things in that are parameters on your ability to innovate treat those as opportunities. So one of the things that I find fascinating about innovation and engineering is that oftentimes the most creative solutions come when there are severe constraints. So if you're in a country or a school district where you have significant constraints on what you're teaching, treat that as an opportunity to help you be even more innovative and more creative in how you deliver it. But at the end of the day, you're the architect of the education that you're delivering.
1: Mm And make it sound beautiful. For sure. And number eight is be a learner first and model it. I think anyone who's in a computer science field is constantly learning. Anyone who's in science is constantly learning. Anyone who's in teaching, hopefully, is consistently learning. So I think this one's an easy one for teachers to take in because we are constantly trying to learn. The difference is is we need to make sure that we model that opportunity for the students. We show them that we are A learner first and we're going to show you how to do this and how to be more innovative in our learning
0: your learning should not be kept in the dark don't hide it from your students that you are learning things constantly even if it's something that they think you should know no one can be expected to know everything you're going to have to learn things as you go And you want them to take that lesson away as well that there is nothing wrong with having to learn something that you didn't previously know In fact that should be celebrated.
1: Absolutely number nine I love this one probably because I keep raising the bar, but be flexible with high expectations I think you should also be able to lower the bar a lot I think I just keep raising the bar Mm -hmm. higher and higher for our kids, but just know that what you may expect one student to do, or one group of kids to do, or one grade level to do, it might change to the next year. And by being flexible with those expectations, you might be pleasantly surprised. Or if you limit the kids and say that the the bar is set and it's set too low, sometimes you don't get that innovative solution. So be flexible with it and know where you're going with your expectations.
0: Number 10 is challenges that are fun. So make sure that what you're doing when you're challenging your students, when you're setting out that expectation for them or that vision for where you're going to go together as a class, make sure it's a fun challenge to get to.
1: Yeah, and fun varies, so you have to be you have to be considerate of that. So, what Sean sees as fun is not really fun to me <laughs> until Matt matplotlib.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, and, and we're not saying that you need to entertain your students. Far from it. What Absolutely. it is is that the process should be fun. Right? like it's not, We're not trying to entertain them, we're not trying to be humorous you know, all the time. It's not about making them giggle their way through assignments, but what it is is that they should find the challenges engaging and exciting and something that they look forward to doing because it appeals to something in them.
1: Yeah, and that just brings us to the fact that that fun should come from the curiosity. It should come from the fun of thinking the fun of learning, the fun of solving problems. So whatever that aspect is, whether it's the challenging effect, what is it that makes it fun for them? Not that they're playing Fortnite and only playing Fortnite and they're not getting anything out of it, because that's not going to create an innovative solution specifically, maybe.
0: That brings us to our next section. So now that we've got these Ten Commandments, the things that we should be doing as teachers to keep ourselves current and learning new things, and changing up what we do, there's some skills and behaviors that you need to have in order to really accomplish this. In order to be an innovator, in order to have the right skill set, the right behaviors and traits, there's some ways to organize that as well.
1: Being innovative is not something that is necessarily a natural trait. It is something that can be learned and I think it's a combination of many traits and and some of these traits that we will go over are not the end-all of how to become innovative these are just some ideas of things that you can put into your classroom into your computer science classroom to help them become more innovative with their solutions
0: and each person each teacher each student brings their own strengths to this as well so as we go through these don't think of it as I need to be a 10 out of 10 on all of these factors. It could be that you have two or three of these that you are exceptional at or that your students are exceptional at. They have a natural aptitude for it and they have other areas where there may be a four or a five and that's okay because as you you leverage those skills, as you work through them, you're able to focus on the things that you do really well and that will help compensate for the other things that maybe you aren't as skilled at, especially if you bring a team to the table.
1: Yeah, And I just have to do it. I just thought of something funny. like. A pie talk. These are lists, they're not tuples. So, (laughs) this list can be appended. (laughs) Sorry.
0: (laughs) Sorry, there's a hard eye roll going on right now.
1: So, number one (laughs) only because
0: I didn't think of it first. So, thank you, Kelly.
1: (laughs) So, number one on on our list are thinking skills. I think, I think that the best thing that we can teach our students regardless of whether it's computer science math whatever curriculum is how to think how to go through a problem and come up with maybe more questions ideas of where they can find the answers who they can talk to how to dissect a large question that's not what we call Googleable those thinking skills of just going through that process and letting that conversation happen in their head before they just come up with random answers is mm-hmm. huge and that skill can be taught to kids
0: so to break that down there are a few areas that we are specifically highlighting when it comes to innovation so critical thinking skills the ability to analyze and dissect and break down a problem into small Smaller parts and evaluate each part of that problem or each part of that need to understand what it is why it matters how important is it that's an, a very important skill and equally important with that is the ability to then take that knowledge and information and conceptualize it, to be able to integrate that knowledge into a broader concept and then to be able to communicate that with other, to others, right? So not just to be able to have the idea in your mind and to have the concept and the vision for it, but then to be able to share that vision and describe it to others.
1: And we did that really well in the genetics project that we did a few weeks ago. That thinking criti- critically, that process of looking for patterns and graphs, and try to come up with why those graphs are happening. That's a skill that you have to physically teach these to kids, to, to adults even sometimes. It's just how can you interpret and look for patterns within data? And that gave them some ideas of, creative ideas of why, why the graph was changing, why the population was dying out. And they got really creative because they had something to build upon. And so having that creative thought comes from the thinking skills, uh, the critical thinking, the, the con- conceptual thinking, and they can go into a creative thinking.
0: Yeah. It's really hard to be creative if you don't understand something first. So you have to have that understanding at a conceptual level and from a critical thinking perspective to be able to be creative with it, to know where you can modify it, where it's malleable, where you can break the rules, where you can bend the rules. You have to know the fundamentals first.
1: Yeah, I had a student last year during a project. um, We were working with earthquakes and trying to design a solution for earthquake homes in third uh, world countries or developing countries. And her idea was using an airbag. And she knew that because she had gotten into a, a minor nothing nothing detrimental car accident with her mom earlier that month and the airbags went off. And she thought, oh, wouldn't it be a great idea if we could somehow trigger airbags to go around a house? And a lot of the kids were laughing. That's so crazy. That's ridiculous. Which I thought was very creative. And little do you know, like this year, or last year, they came up with a house that actually implodes with an um, like airbag system inside the house. So, so She had a, a, a thought. She knew the process. She had some information about the airbags and was able to think creatively about another solution. That is an innovative idea.
0: The next area in terms of thinking skills when you've gone through this process is the ability to reflect. Right. The ability to reflect on what you've learned, on what you've done, to evaluate on that process, on the outcomes, on the ways that you've come to that conclusion or to that innovative solution to ensure that you've done everything that you can, that there's no other ways to improve upon it or to to find ways to make it better and to be able to combine that with your and compare that to your overall vision. Where am I going with this? What do I want to do? Does this Output does this product or service that I've created or this thing that I've created this idea Does that solve the problem that I was originally out there looking to do in my vision? And so that last step of being able to reflect upon the process is really vital for your Ability to innovate and it also is really vital for your skill building to be able to innovate further in the future So when you're faced with the next big idea or the next big innovation, if you've taken the time to reflect upon the previous ones, you will be more adept at making that innovation happen.
1: Those skills that we just listed, those are all skills that we tend to think about. They're typically on the forefront of our minds. We, we think about the thinking skills, creative thinking, conceptual thinking, et cetera. Some of the skills that we don't often put on our forefront we often forget are those behavioral soft skills. Um, At Pinecrest we have the social emotional learning skills that we look at and these are traits like curiosity. You know how do we have get those kids to develop a more curious thought, ask the right questions, engage in more questions, Um, doing things like that and resilience. We talked about resilience in our in our former podcast as well.
0: I like the other parts that we teach here as well, which is the, the ability to collaborate effectively, the ability to work with others to solve a problem or to achieve a common goal. Um, risk takers, you know, one of the things that humans are notoriously bad at is estimating risk and estimating consequences. And the only way that you get better at that is either by applying methods for estimating risk or by practice. It's really important for students to understand risks that they're taking and consequences and everything. One of the things that I see all too often is that students are afraid to take risks that are not really risks. They feel that this risk of not completing this assignment or not being a little daring, you know, they they feel that that is going to be some sort of, you know, major reflection in their grades for the course. It's even, it, what happens if I try this in this code? So if I'm writing this code and they're like, can I hit, can I press the button? I'm like, sure. What's it going to do? Like, we're not going to launch nuclear Armageddon, right, <laughs> when you press the button. We're just we're running this bit of turtle code. And if you get an error, we'll fix that.
1: Yeah, and I think that's difficult. Sometimes they don't want to go outside of what was asked of them. So sometimes and if you give them a challenge that's too specific they won't take that risk to try something else. They won't be innovative. They'll they'll only stick to what the outcome is that you ask. So you have to be careful as well as a teacher to make sure that you allow those opportunities to take risks, that you make your challenges more open, that you provide more choice, that you don't direct them in a certain certain way. And I think that, that helps them to develop their risk-taking skills.
0: You know, in many ways, our role as teachers and as mentors and guides for them is to try to say yes as many times as possible right? when they say can i do this my job is to find a way to say yes to that right sometimes it's yes but with a qualification <laughs> the the goal should be how can i help this happen how can i take away the potential negative outcomes of this and make it an acceptable risk for them
1: In our last two soft skills we often think about are observations and communication skills Sometimes they go hand in hand. Sometimes you just have to to process that, whatever you observe and take it in and think of ways that you can make more innovative solutions. I like to work on communication skills a lot. I think it's one of the, the best skills that you can put on your resume for your colleges. If you can communicate your idea, whether it be verbally or written or visually, you're going to be more successful. We actually worked on a project today where I took the Python flashcards from No Starch Press and the kids had to communicate to each other and teach in their words and the kids' words, not the, not the flashcards' words, what that topic was. That was an interesting aspect for them. And, and then the receiving end, we had to be an active listener which is it's a two-way street and sometimes we forget that you not only have to be able to communicate but you have to be able to listen and understand as well.
0: One of my multi-year goals you know here at Pinecrest over the next few years is to help the students with their presentation skills so that one to many communication An example of this is if I'm putting up a a slide for someone or I'm building a a presentation board, why not use bullet points? Why not use a few words to communicate your ideas and then fill it in with your own voice? Why write paragraphs when a few words will suffice?
1: So I think the major thing to sum up is that we're teaching kids. And if you're teaching kids, you know that a a child's mind is a beautiful thing. There's a great quote by... Shunryu Suzuki, who says, in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. In the expert's mind, there are few. So if you keep that in mind and take in and allow that child to be creative, you might find some really innovative solutions.
0: The other thing to add to that is it's important to treat yourself as a beginner, right? To realize that although we have a certain amount of expertise to put yourself in the shoes of the beginner as many times as possible to learn new things, to try new things, to create as many possibilities as you can. And, you know, related to that, we're going to take a, take a moment to uh, to plug ourselves a little bit. So coming up next month in April here in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, our school is hosting an innovation institute. So the Pinecrest Innovation Institute, Runs from April 7th through 9th, 2019. Our theme is transforming education with creativity and coding. So both Kelly and I will be speaking on multiple occasions about different topics in computer science, coding, creativity, innovation at our annual institute. So if you haven't been to one of these before, it's an, a boutique conference, so it's a very small number of attendees. Typical roles include educators, administrators, people who are innovation specialists, other academic professionals. We focus a lot here at Pinecrest on the K-12 through space or even pre-k through 12 and we have computer science innovation coding creativity at all levels so there's something for everyone in this even if you're coming from a university background there might be things that you can glean from our from our program so it's here in fort lauderdale it is a lot of hands-on workshops. It's not a lot of lectures. It's not a lot of dry content. It's really learning by doing. We've got a lot of fun things that we're putting together, including a showcase of different projects and a hands-on workshop to create your own innovative project plans and ideas and lessons. So it's something that we're really excited about doing. I know a couple of the topics that I have in, uh, uh, cover micro bits and Python and creating a culture of innovation within our school among middle school students.
1: Excellent, and I'm actually covering a topic on information literacy and in a skimming culture and looking at how what we do in computer science can be augmented or helped by looking at how you read in English or in other courses. So, looking to help our students become receptors of knowledge to to improve those thinking skills.
0: Yeah, one of the things that that's exciting about this for us is that we also get the opportunity to go learn and play. Um, So our guest speaker that's delivering the keynote this year is James Robinson from the Raspberry Pi Foundation. And he's got a a three-hour session the day before the conference kicks off called Creativity with Code, Agency Through Ownership, which is right up our alley. So both Kelly and I are really excited to be a part of that. If you're an educator and looking to incorporate a little bit more coding or creativity or innovation or just get some time to be hands-on and play and reignite your own creative, innovative impulses, it's a really great institute that we run for three days here in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And on the plus side, the weather's usually pretty nice in April down here.
1: Yeah, it's already at 75 right now.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to put links in the show notes to the information about that so you can take a look and see if it's something that you're interested in. Uh, but we wanted to share that with you if you wanted to come meet us face to face and and get some time to to sit with us and and learn and play and and we'll be here um, all three days of the conference.
1: Just to segue on that, we did say at the beginning of the podcast there's a lot of resources that we're sharing today. One other resource and another sort of guru in the field right now on innovation is a gentleman named Don Wettrick. I've seen and read a lot of things from him and it's just a great, he's an innovation coordinator. Um, I'm not sure if he's still currently at Noblesville High School, but he wrote a post and medium about how we can help, or how a teacher's or other te- uh, group of teachers can help to incorporate more innovation in their school. And there's a little checklist, and I think we do really great job at, at our school at Pinecrest. They pretty much checked the box on all this list, but I thought it would be cool just to go over a last few of them. One of the things we pride ourselves on is do something different. We stop talking about it and just do it. And that's kind of how our podcast came about. Get in there and just do something different. Let's just start, stop talking about doing a podcast and let's just get on it. So if you're, if you're in a school, stop talking about how to be innovative, how you're, how you could do things or how you could start a new curriculum. Just do it do something different
0: the next one is is really important related to that support one another as this is going on trust each other support each other give each other the confidence to know that there are people there to help you along the way so be transparent in that process showcase work support the work that you're doing support the work that other people are doing and find that voice of genuine excitement and enthusiasm for the successes of others
1: yeah and number three is get admin support Luckily for us, we have great administrative uh, support. And our boss, she's she's always a yes person. And when we find something new on a Kickstarter or somewhere else, and we've we've read a topic or we've seen something on Twitter, and we're like, oh, we want to do that, she's a she's a yes person. So I think if you can show the value in the education and show the value that you're giving to the students, you're more likely to get the administrative support. So show your administrators how you are being innovative and how that is helping your child to learn better or your students to learn better. And I'm sure you'll get a a pat on the back and a yes, go for it. Yeah.
0: And really, at the end of the day, it's all about the students. So if you can show that the students are more effective, they're more successful, they're more innovative, they're more creative through the work that you're doing you'll find that it will be easier to get the administrator support. It may not be always doable, but get one administrator, get that champion that's out there advocating for you, and they will help you enroll others. Suddenly you'll start to see more and more of them on board with what you're doing. The next area is is really be sure to teach and demonstrate, not just telling the students, but also demonstrating it, role model the behavior and the differences between imagination, creativity, and innovation. So know the differences, teach the differences, and then model the differences between those three areas, because they're not the same. Imagination is very different from innovation, and the ability to be creative and to train that in others is also something that is unique. So make sure that you're able to demonstrate and explain the differences between the three tier students.
1: And don't be afraid to demonstrate and teach to your colleagues. we do that a lot here. We do a lot of in-house professional development. So if you have a great idea of how to teach imagination or do an activity that teaches creativity in your classroom, go for it. And definitely if you can show other teachers how to instill the skills of innovation in your classroom, using critical thinking, creative thinking, then don't be afraid to just bring in some cookies and food always works, bring some cookies or some chips and, and do a little PD session in your school. Number five is be reflective and adjust. If it, doesn't work out. That's okay. Learn from your mistakes. Think about what you did in order to get where you are and if you need to adjust to either the the student or the school or the the year, then do it. But definitely take a moment to think about where you are at that moment in time.
0: The next one is encourage entrepreneurialism. So it's a bit of a mouthful, but really entrepreneurship is a tool in your toolbox it is another way to get your ideas out into the world and and to help them come to life so encourage that within yourself be entrepreneurial but also encourage that in your students and your colleagues so say yes let's find a way to make this work their entrepreneurship is a skill set it is you know you have an aptitude for it but it's skills that help you get things out into the world and promote them and fight for your ideas and if you can help your students with that sense of entrepreneurship, it's one more tool, one more set of skills that they have that they can use to be effective in getting their ideas out of their head and into the real world.
1: Yeah. Hone in on that lemonade stand that we, you, you made when you were a kid and see if you can get that yeah. kind of drive from your student.
0: Don't confuse capitalism and commerce with entrepreneurship. There are many different ways that you can be entrepreneurial without making a dime.
1: Exactly. And, and last but not least, I, we cannot um, encourage this enough, but create a network. Um, if you haven't checked us out on Twitter, I'm at Kelly Pered.
0: And I'm at SM Tiber,
1: And we're both at Teaching T- Python. And we've created such a great network in Python, in the Python community. You cannot go wrong. There are so many people out there ready to help you to look at your code, to give you feedback, to give you some ideas, to give you resources. And as long as you have that network support, you have opportunities to be more innovative, either in your teaching or in your product creation.
0: So if you're sitting there going, but Kelly and Sean, I don't have a network, I don't have anyone who gets this or who gets me or what I'm trying to do, you've got us. So follow us on Twitter, reach out to us, we're, we're always excited and thrilled to get someone new in our network and to be able to share what we can with them to help them grow and develop and, and lean on each other going forward. So if nothing else, you have a network of three.
1: And definitely so that we can learn from you as well. We've learned a lot from already from all the people that have contacted us. Yeah. So I think that wraps it up. A lot of great resources, a lot of great reading, and a, a, a great network of innovative leaders in the education world. And we'll post the links below in um, on our website.
0: Yeah. I think, to, to sum it all up, we live in a time of accelerating change. This is a time where things are changing rapidly and the pace of change is increasing every day. And I think we're all acutely aware of that in education, but in our own personal lives as well, how quickly things are changing. You can either be excited by that or intimidated by that. And we choose to be excited by it. We choose to lean into it, to engage, to be innovative, to be part of the change that's happening so that we have some influence over it. It's choosing to actively put your oars out and row, row uh, row with the waves right? Rather than just trying to ride out the storm. This is something that is is a choice and you can choose to do it.
1: Yeah. And, and it's fun. <laughs> Let's <laughs> yeah. not forget it's fun. Yeah. It's fun to be innovative.
0: Yeah. There's always something new. There's always something new to read, to learn, to do, to try, to explore, to fail at, to succeed at. There's always something out there. And that's what makes it so exciting.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you for listening. This is Kelly.
0: And this is Sean signing off.